Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotion promotional offer not available in washington dc at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Ladies and gentlemen, a pleasure to be joined by someone who we've all gotten more and more acquainted with uh, because of his numerous uh, television appearances on MSNBC um, and elsewhere. He is what well, was the former director of Homeland Security for the District of Columbia, the intel chief of the District of Columbia. Most importantly, he's on the faculty at one of my alma maters, Georgetown University. We just had our Soul Hoya alumni weekend this past weekend. Uh, so Hoya Saxa to him. Dr. Donnell Harvin is with us. Hey, brother, how are you? Good. Hoya Saxa, back to you, my friend. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I, I want to start because to get your thoughts about this, this whole gun violence um, situation. Um, every day we're hearing about another mass shooting. Um, and pr probably we'll hear about one quite possibly before this interview is over. Uh, Dr. Harvin, what what do you think can be done and who should do it? Is this is this a law enforcement problem? Is it also a legislative problem? How much of it is a community problem? So th that's a great question. And it's a whole of, it's a whole of government problem and it's a whole of community problem. Um, no law enforcement can't do it all uh, there. By the time you call law enforcement, there's things that have already been set into motion that they have very little to no tools to deal with. Um, and so, and we know that, especially with the mentally ill calls, um, you know, guys and gals with guns are your last, last resort always. Um, and so it's, it's, I think your opening was, was spot on there. We average in the United States more than one mass shooting. And, and it all depends on what definition you look at. Um, I believe the federal government secret service uses four more people shot, not necessarily four more people died, but four more people shot in one instance. We average uh, more than one a day in the United States. And, and it's, it's truly uh, um, a, a tragedy. W what are your thoughts about the accessibility to all of these assault rifles? Well, you know, 
you mentioned you you mentioned um, astutely some of the issues, right? Um, be it mental health, um, be it gun control. If you look at other countries, uh, New Zealand, Australia, um, who had horrific mass shootings, they were readily they were they were ready to act legislatively to restrict guns. The only difference from us in other developed countries in the West is the fact that we're washing guns. Um, by best accounts, and these are just estimates, 400 million guns, more than one gun for every man, woman, and child with some despair in this country. Now, what I mean by best accounts is because for many years, uh, the gun lobby, particularly the NRA, has hamstrung the federal government, uh, the ATF, for keeping computer records of gun ownership. They also, at the federal level, at the state level, they've also pushed for laws to not document and not have what we call databases for gun ownership. Um, they've done so uh, for, for reasons you'd have to ask them, but publicly uh, because they don't want the government tracking who has guns because if they know you have guns, they can come and take it away. And it bakes into that whole really paranoia that the gun lobby is given people. It, you know, eventually the government will take your guns away and there will be a tyrannical state. Um, and so, uh, and I, I don't want to opine on this, but I think it's so important. That's why red flag laws don't always work. Right. People always say on, on, on that side of the argument, enforce the laws that are already in the books. What they don't understand is that it doesn't matter. And they also point at they also point at our communities. They point at Chicago. They point at New York City. They point at Baltimore. Well, look, at they have the strictest gun laws in the country and they still have mass shootings and, and a lot of shootings. And they're absolutely right, but they're not using that, they're taking that out of context. It doesn't matter how strong a particular state or city's gun laws are, if you can drive an hour outside of that jurisdiction and buy a gun in a private sale or at a gun show and not have a background check. It doesn't matter what the, what the red flag laws are in the state, if you can buy a gun in one state and then move to another state and that state doesn't require you to register that gun. Right. And so that's what we need. It's a comprehensive nationwide approach. And we see very little to no activity at the federal at the federal legislative le level to do anything. And, and by and large, it's because the, the, the gun lobby is the most powerful lobby. The hell. Well, let's talk about it in terms of, of our community, the black community and a term I loathe, which I'm sure you do as well, is the terminology of black on black crime. Mm -hmm. um, but. What's different? Because actually, you know, I think we should look at all of the gun violence as the same. But when it comes to guns within the inner city black community, where do those guns come from? Are we still talking about people who are able to, as you alluded to, go outside the state and get those guns? Are the guns specifically being trafficked to young people within our own community? So there's a, there's a and there's a lot of data on this that suggests that um, criminals who aren't allowed to get guns uh, will get guns different ways. Um, one, they'll get they'll they'll purchase stolen guns, and those stolen guns often come from uh, states that have lax gun controls, and they have a lot of guns, right? Uh, they'll break into people's cars, they'll break into homes, uh, they, they they will break into gun gun shops uh, and steal guns and move them. Um, from, from that standpoint, many of the guns are not legal. 
The problem is, and, and, and this is maybe a little controversial, but I'll say it. There is a death industry in this country and, and we are the commodity. And what I mean by that is that there's a whole supply chain that's, that, that is centered on people dying from the purchasing of the guns through the prosecutorial and law enforcement to trauma centers, to the true death industry, the medical examiner and the, the uh, forensics and the funeral home industry. Um, and the commodity is us, to be quite honest with you. Um, and so when, when those on the pro-gun side talk about gun violence, they don't wanna talk about the mass shootings that happen in areas that normal people wouldn't expect it. They don't wanna talk about your kids sitting in their schools uh, enjoying the classroom time they have and not be feeling feeling safe. Um, they want to talk about the crime in the inner cities. Um, and even that's a pejorative term, right? They want to talk about crime in, in the, these um, financially, economically uh, oppressed communities. And I really don't see them having any I want to choose my words wisely here. Any incentive to make that uh, change, make any change, um, we haven't seen it at all. And the only thing they've done is um, made made on the on the back end these these gun violence crimes um, or or gun possession crimes, uh, 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 crimes that have a heavier weight. And I, I think most people wouldn't wouldn't argue with that. Um, but that feeds into the prison industrial complex. Wow. Well, wow. and I, I hear you on that. And I'm, I'm glad you you put that out there, and I appreciate you for saying so because people need to get that. They they need to understand that. I made an argument in 2012 after the Aurora Theater shooting, um, which I look back 10 years ago as one of the the most covered um, mass shooting incidents of that time. That's when people really started to change. So wait a minute, this, and they began to realize for the first time, I think that there weren't just killings randomly, so to speak, in the black community. Yeah. And I made, I wrote an article and, 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 and the, the point I made was that the argument or the belief in so-called black on black violence left white folks vulnerable to things like Aurora. And I think it, my point was proven because we've seen mass shootings in the white community go up. So I ask you, if, if, if you think I'm right, if you're saying that there's a death industry when it comes to our community, I ask you, how can that not, not spill over into the white community to the point where they're left vulnerable as they have been in all these other shootings in these schools, and now you have the brown community in Uvalde. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you say to one community, all right, well, y'all kill each other, that's fine, because that's what we want. Sooner or later, in the words of Malcolm X, <laughs> don't, don't all those chickens come home to roost in other communities? Yeah, but I, I, I agree with you. I want to be careful about having the, the notion of uh, gun violence uh, that afflicts our community spilling over into other communities. And because that is the talking point out of context 
that the NRA uses, right? And that's why we have all these people in suburbia and in in rural America arming themselves up because they say, look at Chicago. Bro, you live 2000 miles away from Chicago. Those brothers aren't gonna get into a, a car and drive in the middle of nowhere to rob your house. But it's this fear of black people and the guns that you're supplying to their communities that you're allowing to get into their communities that has this reciprocal um, a reciprocity in terms of conspiracy and, gotcha. and, and all these other things. So, and I've told people like, I grew up in the South Bronx. I worked in Brooklyn, right? I was, I, my history is I, I was, I became an EMT when I was 18 years old, right? I've been on mass shootings. I've been at mass stabbings. I've been shot at. I work in Brooklyn South, uh, Brooklyn North, South Bronx. There are pockets of, 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 of oppressed, drug-ridden uh, um, areas in, in our communities that people who work, live in those communities know to kind of avoid, right? Like your mom would tell you, light goes out, you come in, right? Because that's when the shooting starts, right? So it's almost part of the DNA that you know how to navigate with that in the hopes that innocents don't get killed. What we've seen over the last probably decade is an increase, really over the last two years, I'll be honest with you, an increase and, and, and people we don't expect to get hurt by gun violence getting hurt. Kids playing outside, people minding their business, broad daylight, all those things that are even shocking for our neighborhoods. No, point, but, point well taken. I, I, yeah, I agree with that point wholeheartedly. But back to your point, I think that these, uh, these non-traditional gun violence communities are so shocked and stunned that this can come to their neighborhoods, uh, Parkland, Sandy Hook, Aurora, they still haven't grappled with that. And it's so random, everyone says, well, that's not my neighborhood until it's their neighborhood. And I've, I've said this before, and this may sound make me sound fatalistic, but I almost think that gun violence at that level, nothing will change until that type of gun violence afflicts every community. And by the way we're going, it's gonna, right? At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. No, it, unfortunately, it seems that it will. And now something else is kind of new. And, and we've seen you talk about this. I'll ask you about it now. Um, the Uvalde situation has brought about sort of a different angle on this because now people are wanting to hold law enforcement accountable. We've not seen that in other mass shootings. Uvalde kind of st stood up and then you got video now parents saying, y'all got to do something, y'all not doing nothing. And, and I'm sure law enforcement isn't very happy about that. But this is a kind of a new slant 
uh, on this, isn't it? And I wonder if you think this might um, be the advent of a trend where people say, well, what is law enforcement really doing to combat these situations? That's a great question. I, and uh, Uvalde's a great case study because so many things went wrong. I, I mentioned this on, on air the other day. Um, I think I described it as a hot buffet of ineptitude and missed opportunities. Um, it's a perfect storm of what happens when uh, government from top to bottom doesn't do their job to protect people, full stop. Um, and so looking at the law enforcement, um, it, you know, there, there's, you're gonna find in the investigation, there are some simple things that, that uh, other communities do. And I, I, I did law enforcement, I did forensics for many years, um, such as interoperable communications. I may be a little wonky and, and technical, but just the fact that you don't share uh, communication with all the re re responding law enforcement agencies, and there were dozens uh, that came in, over 140 officers from like, I think 13 or 14 different depart departments um, is a problem. Um, and so I think that they, you know, we Parkland, they, 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 I believe they, they held to account that that police officer that didn't go in. Um, they people should expect more from their law enforcement. Um, and so I, I find it interesting, but I also find it interesting that a lot of these communities, these pro-gun communities, are are um, as a juxtaposition very back the blue and pro-police, right? Blue lives matter. Uh, when it's convenient, and I'll leave it at that, right? When, when it's not convenient, like if you talk to any law enforcement officer and they say, you ask them a simple question, would you rather go against an armed assailant that has a nine millimeter or AR-15, 100% of the time you're gonna say, I don't wanna go against anyone that has an AR-15 because they don't issue us ballistic vests that can protect us from that, right? Not, only the SWAT guys have that, right? And, and they're not responding first. but. You're, you're okay letting your law enforcement that you back go against these 18-year-olds that are getting these guns. It doesn't make sense to me. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, you were at DC Intelligence for the city on January 6th. Correct. You have been called to testify before this um, committee, so to speak, soon. You, you warned the federal government about what could potentially happen on January 6th, correct? Absolutely. Tell us about that, if you would. Well, you know, it's it's well documented. I've actually testified. Um, I've given I've given testimony and, and been interviewed by the committee, the select committee, three times. Um, and um, each time I emphasize the fact that we saw this wave of information coming that suggested that um, there was a large amount of people that were coming not to peacefully protest, but to storm the Capitol and take it by force. Um, and we knew that because these individuals were sharing that information on the open web, chat rooms, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Snapchat, all these plans were just unfolding right in front of everybody. So you didn't really need to be a well-trained intelligence analyst to see what was coming. Uh, the question is, why were those warnings ignored? And, and hopefully the January 6th committee will get to the bottom of that. Lastly, obviously, we, we can all see ourselves. I mean, we don't need to do CSI to see the element of white supremacy that was at play January 6th. 
2021. I mean, we saw the signs. We saw all of that. In these mass shootings, it, at least one of them, we haven't gotten, gotten all the information about all of them because they happen every day. We know there was a white supremacist element uh, in the Buffalo top store shooting. There, when Obama first came into office, Homeland Security said the, a threat greater than outside terrorism threats is domestic terrorism, white supremacy. Do you still feel that that is the case, that we in this country are under greater threat from domestic white supremacy, terrorism, than that on the outside? And what what role do you think that plays when it comes to these mass shootings cumulatively? Uh, over the last three decades, uh, more people have been killed by domestic terrorists than, um, than transnational terrorists. Um, I will tell you that it is, uh, from my assessment, from my, my professional and personal assessment, that the rise of the radical violent extremists on the right particularly is the number one concern, and I will tell you why. Because they have melded forces. What we saw on January 6th was the maturation uh, and the, basically the coming of age of the conspiracy theory movement. Now, we would talk about these folks in joking terms, you know, 10, 15 years ago. These were the tinfoil hat folks, the individuals that say, you know, aliens have beamed me up and the, the black helicopters are following me. Well, they've gone mainstream. They, 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 they've gone, they've uh, manifested in the White House in the form of briefs and individuals. They, they're on mainstream media, on, the, on, on conservative media. Um, what they didn't have until January 6th was an armed faction. And what we saw was that these conspiracy theorists were able to uh, meld with anti-government groups, white supremacy groups, neo-Nazis, effectively giving us January 6th. But there's another group in there that's probably the most concerning and we call them accelerationists. And I wanna let your listeners uh, understand this. They can look it up on their own. Accelerationists are, and I won't mention the, the groups that, that are part of that, um, Accelerationist is a form of radical violence that doesn't take a, a stand on the right or the left. They just want to stir the pot. Their ultimate goal is to start a race war. And so all throughout the, the summer of 2020, when we saw the George Floyds and Black Lives Matter protests, we saw these individuals showing up armed um, at pro um, uh, police, um, pro police um, uh, demonstrations. And then the same individuals show up the next day with uh, BLM uh, demonstrators showing showing uh, black folk and other folk, brown folk, hey, this is my gun. You know, you can have you have a right to a gun. They just want to stir the part. They want to create a race war. We've also saw on the, the rise on the on, in 2020, and, and and many people remember this, black nationalists, armed black militia, coming coming to power. There's a number of groups. Um, that we saw some of them marched on Stone Mountain in Georgia. Um, and that stunned the heck out of white America, to be quite honest with you. Um, we're at a razor thin point that all you need is the, it, 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 the, the, the increased militancy on both sides, not just the right, who really has uh, the patent, but doesn't own the patent for violence. But now on the left, who's seeing that, hey, these peaceful movements that I'm that I'm part of, they're not they're not producing any change. So you're going to have an armed, violent faction from any peaceful movement, 
And I think you're starting to see that pick up. Um, and I think that's gonna manifest unfortunately in uh, coming close to the 2022 election season and certainly 2024. And my advice was that we need to protect, particularly in the black and brown community, we need to protect our vulnerable places and our crowded spaces. We need to protect our houses of worship. We need to protect our schools because I believe the violence is coming. Mm. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We wanna make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This will definitely not be the last time we talk to our dear brother. His expertise is unparalleled. Dr. Donnell Harvin. Folks, follow him on Twitter at Donnell, D-O-N-E-L-L underscore Harvin. Uh, keep up with what he's saying. And you see him on television quite frequently. We're happy to have you here. And Dr. Harden, if you don't mind, we'd love to keep you uh, keep you and your expertise close at hand, okay? I'd love to come back. Thank you, Reverend. Thank you. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister or brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.